This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app where everyone from rookies to pros finds their fun. Because fun is fitness, fun is friends, and fun is fast. Croeso. That's a bit of Welsh for you. So, Jay, it's been a busy old week, hasn't it? Yeah, sure has, Tom. Um, before I get into that, though, the whole, um, you know, the last episode when I mentioned the wind to try and make you feel a bit better about, you know, being in however yeah. cold it is there. Um, Very. Yeah, that day actually turned out to be a, a Ghent Welcome style day. How did it? It was ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> so I started on the TT bike, had to swap because, um, well, yeah, I was getting blown across the road into oncoming traffic. Probably wasn't the ideal, is it? So got on my road bike, stopped that. Did a little effort up a climb. I thought, oh, I'll just turn around and do it back up there because it seems quite sheltered here. It's a bit safer. Halfway down, there's this 100-meter section. I basically got blown off the road. Um, remember Armstrong when he missed Belocchi? Yeah, yeah, and he went all across the field. Yeah, it was kind of that, except it wasn't a field. There's more of a cliff, so... Um, that was a bit dodgy um, so yeah unclipped kind of scooted my way down this only 100 metre section really then the rest was fine turned around did my effort that section was fine going up so but um, so yeah it's not all uh, sunshine and tanning on the beach here Tom so Ghent Vevelgum your famous um, left foot in the air like a karate kick that is now seven years ago. Do you still have that flexibility, do you think? When you were getting blown down the cliff, can you get your foot as high as it used to be able to see? Uh, I reckon I could, yeah, for sure. But um, luckily, though, because it wasn't a race, it was a lot more, well, you can, you can go slow, can't you? So I had time to just unclip and stop. And But it was still like, you know, when you stood on your bike and you kind of like, you can still feel the wind pushing you and you're still kind of, yeah, it was a dodgy little moment, but all good, all good. I almost feel sorry for you out there in the heat, but I'm noticing that your microphone is echoing a little bit, and I'm guessing that is because you were in a room designed for heat without curtains, without a carpet. Yeah, exactly that. Every I did have a quick look in the house, and every room has wood floors and little blinds for the... Well, yeah, stop the light coming in. But yeah, there's no soft furnishings here. It's uh, built for the heat. So sorry about that, Tom. <laughs> Listen, I'm quite happy here in the minus four. It's fine. It toughens me up. <laughs> now, G, we probably want to wish a couple of your teammates good luck and a swift recovery because it has been a tough old week for the team. Yeah, crazy week, really. Obviously, um, Egan had a big, big crash. And um, yeah, I didn't realise how bad it was until I spoke to some of the guys in the team that are out there. Steve Cummins is over there. And yeah, it sounds horrific so yeah luckily he's um improved a lot over the last sort of couple of days really so that's really good to see and yeah hopefully he makes a full recovery and then yeah just recently um brandon riviera also had a a tumble i don't even know what's happened there it's only recently happened but um yeah so both of them in the same hospital now so yeah obviously wishing above a speedy recovery and back to full fitness yeah as soon as possible does make you realise how fragile it all is, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, you know, we try not to talk about the C word on this pod, do we, with, with crashes and stuff, but like in races is one thing and you, you kind of realise that you just, anything can happen and people can do stuff around you and that can take you out and it's the same when you're training, you know, except it's even worse if it does happen because it's generally a car or a van or, you know, a bus or whatever, so... It is mad, um, but it's something that we've sort of, well, grown up getting used to, isn't it? You learn how to sort of anticipate what drivers, you you anticipate the worst that they're going to do, you know? But obviously, yeah, a a lot of things can still go wrong. And over in Colombia, it seems a bit, there always seems to be stuff happening. So, yeah, wish them all the best. But, um, and yeah, all the GTCC members and all the other bike riders out there, just take your time, isn't it? There's uh, There's no rush when you're training on the open road. Yeah, absolutely. 
So in other news, G, to move it back to the club, uh, we've extended the pre-sale of our GTCC merch. So if you listen to this and you want to get the gear, which of course you do, you have until Friday the 4th of February to snap up a beautifully crafted jersey, some stylish navy bib shorts and the matching socks. Yes, lovely. And we're even throwing in a free water bottle with all the bundles too. So just go to gtccstore.com and check it out. Cannot believe, G, you just mentioned the words chucking in water bottle and didn't even flinch. <laughs> oh, I'm over it. I completely forgot. But you would bring it back up, wouldn't you? <laughs> Should we get into it? Chairman Tom, I hear we've got something special for our members. Yeah, we have indeed, Geraint. We've only gone and partnered up with the best bike insurance out there, Lacquer Insurance. And when any of our GTCC members takes out insurance with Lacquer, they will get an exclusive Geraint Thomas Cycling Club sweatshirt. Right, OK then, Tom. So why are Lacquer so good? Well, Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists, for life on and off the bike. People just like our honorary GTCC president, Mike Carr. Have a listen to this. I signed up with Lacquer uh, a few months ago. My bike was insured on my contents, which was costing me a fortune. So I went with Lacquer, a really great model. And a couple of months later, my wonderful Carbon Canyon was stolen. They broke through my side gate and into my locked bike shed. Took the bike, which was soul-destroying, but I had a police report, police number, and a couple of photos, which I sent straight off to Lacquer. Literally three or four days later, the money was in my bank account, and I was off new bike shopping, so it was a great service. So if you fancy getting insured with Lacquer and fancy a free GTCC sweatshirt in the process, just head over to www.lacquer.co and sign up using the code GTCC. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Katie Puckrick. I've got a podcast called Dot Com, the documentary series about the people of the internet. And I just want to let you know that Series 2 is out now. It blasts open the door on Reddit, the front page of the internet. It's kooky. To me, Reddit is one of the last bastions of actual communities online. It's sinister. Reddit has really always prided itself on being the mirror that it holds up to society, right? That society has a lot of imperfections and messiness and destruction and violence but there's so much good there as well it's some of the biggest most shocking stories of the century i was raised in a fundamentalist christian family i feel like every time there's some big scandal going on reddit is 100 percent a contributor and an antagonist to it just search for dot com that's d-o-t-c-o-m and subscribe now Right then, let me get my script up and we'll just go straight into it, shall we? Yeah. Tom, today's guest has rode at the Olympics. He was a pro bike rider for a few years. I'm sure you'll tell us how many. Four, I think. Five, maybe. Stopped that. Went into Ironman triathlons. Won a few of them. Then he's also returned to the professional peloton, racing for Ineos Grenadiers at the minute. So... He's either the greatest all-round sportsman I know, or he just can't decide what he wants to do, to be honest. So, <laughs> welcome to the GTCC, Cameron Worth. Thanks, G. That's some of the nicest things you've ever said about me, so we're off to a great start. I'm um, looking forward to this. Make the most of it, mate. I will. Yeah, yeah, no. That's, I've uh, heard the other things he says, Cam, about your descending skills. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I, that's good. No, it's... um. Yeah, I guess it's... Uh, I was actually thinking, I figured he'd probably introduce me in such a way and I, um, yeah, 21 years I guess I've been competing internationally across different sports and all I've got is an under-23 world championship in rowing to sort of show for it. But uh, yeah, it's. Um, I guess I've always done just enough to sort of uh, make me believe that maybe there's a big uh, big achievement still ahead of me. So um, that's what keeps me going. So, what do you but, enjoy the most? You know, to be honest, as much as this is uh, a little bit, you know, peeing in your pocket, so to speak, um, you know, being, uh, being, you know, involved in, uh, of course, Froomey, you know, his success when he won three on three on a trot, on the trot, that was when I started training with him, when he won all three in a row, and then... She's saying that's down to you. 
Well, obviously, he hadn't done it before he started training with me. So, yeah, it obviously had a big impact. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, obviously, the following year, we uh, finally got you to show your true potential and, and finally win the win a Grand Tour. And, and of all of them to win, you won the biggest one. So, yeah, being uh, being sort of, you know, in the... Tr- I wasn't in the trenches because I wasn't at the races, but um, being there and seeing the work done and... Uh, it's the hardest yeah. part, though, is you've kind of been there... In the when you put all those long hard days in though, and then uh, you mm. just miss out on the big. Well, you were in Paris when I won though, weren't you? I was. I was at the. the I was TT in the mountains. Or, I was there the, the first. The first. Thing. The first stage you won. You went into yellow. Yeah. Came and saw you after that, and I was. I was there because I was doing some commentary. With Arlo um, for the dog. With the dog. The dog came. It was the first trip to the tour. First stage. G wins yellow jersey. So we took a. You know, she went to go along and catch up with G and. It's quite a well-travelled dog we've got, Tom. I don't know if he's told you about our dog, but um, yeah, cruises around the world with us. So, What's the dog called? Olive. Yeah, Olive. Olive. She's absolutely massive. What dog is she? Yeah, she's a golden doodle. You know, every man's dream. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, golden golden retriever crossed with a giant poodle and um, yeah. A giant poodle? Yeah. yeah oh, not mate, an ordinary poodle. Massive. It's she's like... A miniature a, horse. What, knee high? Oh, at least. Hip high. Hip, Hip high. Yeah, yeah, she's big. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we were training in LA once, and we were going up this random uh, out by the Hollywood sign somewhere. Tim Carrison was following us in the car. Next thing you know, he's driving past, and Olive's just out the window, <laughs> and Tim's in this car on his own, trying to like settle her down. And <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think he had a long day with her in the car. Yeah. She's getting excited every time she saw Cam. I think. Yeah, yeah she's uh, she's seen some stuff across the range of sports, but you know, I think I think one day that sticks out significantly for me in LA back. 2018 before he'd won the tour and we'd done a pretty hard time trial session the day before and he he sort of blew apart a bit and we're rolling back he said oh, i'm just stuffed i said just you know go to the beach and sit down there with, with sarah and have a have a bit of a quiet afternoon it was before kids for, for both of us and did that and then the next morning he rocked up at training and he was you know his usual grumpy self and <laughs> we were meant to do a really just long we we're actually flying out the next day just a long easy day just to you know, flush out the fatigue and get on the plane and, and get he was gonna get back to Europe and get in I wasn't I wasn't racing in the in the team at that point. Get back to Europe and start racing again. And uh he said, Oh, I don't really think I wanna do this. Maybe just do a little you know, hour or so and then I'll head back and I said, uh, you know I said the one thing that's potentially gonna stop you from winning this tour is uh having a bad day. And um you got to learn to you know live with these these difficult moments and uh, and just sort of soldier through them. And um, I said, let's just go this way. And I sort of you know manipulated him into doing five or six hours that day. And I think he felt better at the end of it. And um, you know, and then speaking to Tim after he won the tour, Tim said the biggest shock was the fact that he'd never had a weak moment. And um, and of course, obviously, it was all down to my pep talk way back <laughs> in January. So uh, well, tra- yeah, training with Cam's definitely gonna improve your weak moments because he just doesn't <laughs> shut up <laughs> after a month in LA that last day I remember it now you bring it up oh mate I was I was broke I was in a box we'd done a lot of training a lot of hard yards done like yeah over 100 hours we'd done and yeah. oh man that day I was just like oh mate like it was kind of half drizzling as well wasn't it it wasn't yeah, a very was nice day I was just like oh. pretty grim but yeah got through it and all down to Cam obviously so, Cam, the connection with Ineos, it comes through Tim Kerrison, does it? Who was, gee, was your coach for a long time until this year? Yeah, I've actually known Tim since, yeah, 2002, uh, back in the rowing days. So, he he was coaching the under-23 team. Uh, he actually had a crew that year that won the Worlds, and then I was in a, a, the, another crew that won the next year um, with a different coach, and then one of his athletes who was in his crew, they put he and I together for the Olympics. And Tim was actually, you know, would have liked to have coached us. But, um, you know, bureaucracy, you know, we, they had a national team coach that they wanted to do that job. And I don't know, who knows? It, it probably wasn't the right decision but for them, but um, that's who they sent us with and we didn't perform. And, uh, um, yeah, so I'd known Tim a long time. And then, of course, I I sort of went off into cycling and then I, you know, heard that he'd come in as a coach with uh, with Team Sky and we kept in touch. And even back then, we actually talked at times about me coming to the team, but just sort of never really worked out. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then I stopped cycling and 
we went away for a couple of years and then got some interest in uh, in Ironman and uh, just a random, you know, occurrence of Froomey being in Australia alone and Tim running into Richie Port and Richie saying that Cameron was, you know, I was back in Tassie. I'd, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, back in Tassie for the holidays and had been training and Tim thought, well, gosh, Worthy talks a lot. Maybe I'll get him up to train with Froomey and keep him company and... And, uh, yeah, he called me and asked me to do that. And, yeah, that was sort of what got me back into competitive sport. You know, I guess I showed that I still had a little bit left in the old ticker. And, um, yeah, both he and Froomey encouraged me to give it another crack. And we kind of talked about cycling. And I said I was a bit, yeah, I'd sort of left that behind and um, told them that I'd done a couple of Ironmans recreationally in my couple of years away and wouldn't mind taking that seriously. And uh, we all agreed it was probably a a good pursuit and yeah yeah sort of progressed through the ranks and um and then an opportunity came up to to join the team again and yeah after six seven years away from the peloton i thought why not <laughs> see if it's uh see if i like it this time around but obviously i got to know the guys so well and i actually came to this camp back at the end of 2019 and, and met everybody and i wasn't on the team at that point it was 2020 when they added me at the start of the year and yeah got along with everyone and um that's uh that's how i ended up back here it was random. I remember that the first time he went out to train with Froomey because Kenny Ellison was there originally with Froomey, but then he had to go to Tour Down Under because I think it was when Duel's like appendix blew up yeah, uh, randomly. And so Kenny had to get drafted into Tour Britain, so, uh, Tour Down Under, sorry. So then Froomey was there alone and Tim was looking for a training partner and that's how that happened. So it's, it's mad how the circumstances and then yeah, once he was in sort of that mix, so to speak... Uh, yeah, he was just a great guy to train They haven't with. been able to get away from me, basically. I have just sort of hung around like a bad smell and, um, you know, just, just got myself more and more in there. Especially the type of training we were doing at the time, you know, it's a lot of hours, especially this time of year, not so many efforts. Like when we're sort of in the height of the season, Cam might not do as many efforts because, you know, he's got to go and run a bloody marathon after he's ridden with us or whatever he does. But yeah, just having that guy who's just, he can obviously train a lot because he does Ironman and stuff. So... Um, he's got a big engine and that was ideal for us really and uh, yeah it's mad how it's also happened but go, going back to Rowan mm. well, how did you get into that for a start and out of this team who'd be the best rower do you reckon well I, I got into it just <laughs> because there was a Tasmanian who won gold in 92 at Lake Benyolis actually so not far from where I live now in Andorra he won in the double skull Stephen Hawkins was his name and um he, a couple of years later, he got himself into abalone diving or wanted to. And my dad was, you know, the pioneer of that industry. And I guess as successful people tend to do, they find the best, you know, people in, in that field. And so he, grabbed, you know, he found my dad and all of a sudden this guy was at our house for dinner, you know, and we had maps on the table. And his dad's explaining to him where you go to catch these fish. And, and I just remember thinking, wow, like this guy's learning from my dad, you know, like he was like the hero of Tasmania and... And I was 12 at the time and just about to start high school. And so I couldn't wait to go to school. And, you know, I thought if this guy can go to the Olympics, you know, win, win, gold, win a gold medal, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. And, and that was why I took it up. So that was, um, yeah, way back in 2013. And then as far as the best role, I would have, you know, I would have said someone like yourself, G, similar build to myself. We'd, we'd probably have a good, uh, a got, good I good dynamic. Guns for it, You've I? definitely got the gun sh- guns, yeah. and you know I've seen the back. It sort of can uh, looks like you could stack some muscle onto it. <laughs> I like the way you said that. You're not claiming there's any muscle on his back at the moment. You're just saying there is the potential. There's the potential to put some on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's definitely none on there at the moment. But we've actually got a new teammate, uh, Omar Farelli, this year, Spanish uh, Spanish rider, and he um, is actually the Spanish champion. But he informed me yesterday that he rode for six years. Uh, and he actually was in the I think he was in the junior or he he tried out for the junior national team and then he continued with cycling when he missed out so but he said his passion was rowing so yeah it's definitely a sport that requires some passion because getting up at 4.35am in the middle of winter (laughs) it's freezing cold you go out and freeze your freckle off Um, you definitely (laughs) need someone like that that you want in your boat with you it's quite different to like Ironman though isn't it because it's it's short Mm. like a rowing race what is Five, ten minutes? Yeah, five to five to seven, depending on the wind. You know, if you have a tail breeze, it's faster. If you have a headwind, it's slower. I mean... So you must have changed quite a lot from then to do an Ironman, no? Or? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It's The funny thing is, for an event, it's 
you you're only going for such a short time, but for some reason it's one of those big training volume sports, and you do a lot of everything. You know, you're in the gym for you know hours lifting weights, and you know on the rowing machine, and you know you're in on the water obviously, and then you do a lot of cross training. You know, you ride a bike and you run. I mean, you you pretty much can do any exercise, and it invariably helps rowing. You know, it's just overall body strength and. And your ability to suffer. So, um, although the actual effort of the competition was vastly different, the other end of the spectrum, the training in some ways was actually very similar. Mm. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's a good foundation sport. Definitely recommend it to any kid thinking about taking it up. How has your body shape changed then, Cam, down the years? Like generally, when someone takes up Ironman. They post uh, before and after pictures on social media, and they might be quite big and chubby. And they start doing Iron Man, they get very, very skinny. But you must have had like two or three different body shape changes in your pro career. Yeah, I mean, I obviously from rowing, you had a bit of a. I was never, I was never big. Um, obviously, in rowing, I rode in the lightweight category, so I had to be under seventy kilos or seventy two. And then when I went to cycling, it was funny. I didn't actually really lose any weight. It just I kind of obviously got a bit more, you know, muscle density in my legs and lost a bit off my back and arms. Um, and now that I've gone back to Ironman or gone to Ironman, you know, I've got some of that muscle nestled back on my back, you know, lats and shoulders, and um, and my legs are probably a bit leaner again. So, yeah, it, it, but as far as the actual body weight goes, I've probably fluctuated between maybe 69 and 72, 73 um, you know, it hasn't really changed much, but um, yeah, it's just been a repositioning of the uh, of the of the weight, I guess. And I think muscle density is a big thing in Ironman. I mean, I I can get much leaner than I used to be in cycling, but I certainly haven't been sixty eight, sixty nine kilos again. You know, seventy one, seventy two seems to be about as low as I can get. And and speaking with Tim Kerrison about that, we feel that that's probably the muscle density from running from actually doing an impact an impact sport, um, which is something that is obviously difficult to quantify, but um, yeah. So hang on that, but running would put on more weight in your legs, would it? Yes, the the density of your muscles increases, strengthens, and that, that holds weight, yeah. I guess a yep. swimming as well would be a lot, though, eh? On your back and stuff. Yeah, um, you're, you're, you're back, and, but then, of course, you're running, and so just the general rule of gravity, you know, if you've got to carry something, it tries to get rid of what it doesn't need. And I think the first year, far I was almost 80 kilos, but feeling like I was incredibly fit because my back just trying to learn, get the swimming muscles back. And then as my efficiency has increased, you know, the the back, I my body, re, you know, realized it doesn't need as much muscle mass on my back. And so it's slowly sort of slimmed it off again. And now I've started to sort of drop weight again. So I think, you know, even this year, my swimming is, is probably the biggest thing that's improved in the last sort of six months particularly um, as in really starting to get some efficiency there. I think I can potentially get myself back close to that 70 mark, which, uh, you know, I think is is probably, a, you know, something that will help me make the next step in, uh, you know, aiming for that podium in uh, in Kona at the next October. The one good thing, though, Tom, about his Ironman training, he can eat a load of crap because, <laughs> well, maybe that's just Cam's, he can do that anyway because... In LA, we'd stop for a coffee. I'd have a coffee, maybe two. Um, as a treat, I'd have a cappuccino. Whereas Cam would have a cookie and a muffin and a coffee. <laughs> a maple, maybe a latte. A ma- maple flavoured maple yeah. latte or two. All yeah. this jazz. And I'm yeah. just sitting there thinking, you bastard. Mm. <laughs> Eating that in front of me when I've, I'm trying to bloody, you know, cut it all out <laughs> after Christmas and, you know keep chipping it off he's sat there munching away on a bloody muffin i've got a simple rule tom it's um don't eat anything you're not prepared to burn off so uh you know if it means i've got to do some extra hours i'd much prefer to do that than uh yeah miss out on something i really want to put in my my tum tum yeah it's all very well this cam i'm slightly worried what will happen when you retire when you eventually stop swapping sports i don't think you will <laughs> mate. i think you'll just do something else after that be lawn bowls next that's what it will I'll find something to do. I don't think I'll ever stop uh, being active. I mean, I yeah, I think it's probably pretty easy to say that uh, or see that I I love just sport in general. <laughs> what sport? What sport would you do next then? <sighs> or what well, would you love to give a go after Ironman? Oh well, I, to be honest, I, I'm running out of time. I realise, but I'd love to go back to rowing at some point. I mean, why not? 
know, I've gone, <laughs> I've gone from rowing. I went, you know, into cycling. I've obviously been an Ironman. I've added cycling back in. You know, wouldn't it be nice to maybe add a third sport back in? So I did them all and then maybe do them all together. That'd be something. <laughs> yeah. So have you basically just got a, a massive engine cam? I don't know about that. I just, I think I just love exercising. You know, I think I just love, uh, love being active. Yeah. Most, a lot of people tell me I do. So maybe I do, but I don't like to think I've got anything unique. <laughs> I like to think I just work hard. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm not exactly a skill based, skill sport based person. I don't really feel like I've got any talent. I feel like I'm uh, just prepared to maybe put more hours in than most people. And, um, yeah, and I'm, and I'm too stubborn to quit. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, G, what's he like to ride with on these long training rides? Uh, Cam, we can hear that you've got some chat on you, which is obviously ideal on a long ride. But, G, you know, if you're on a long ride, you don't just need chat. You need someone who can ride at the right pace for you, who can do the same sort of terrain as you're doing. Yeah, so physically, he's, he's more than capable of doing like a long ride with us, for sure. Like, especially when I'm low carb and, uh, you know, you're just going around at like 200. 230 on the climbs maybe but you're just cruising around really and um but yeah definitely the chat we call him the human radio he's just there just <laughs> next you just goes all day and you just kind of like you just say the odd yes just to keep him going you know um and i kind of oh sar will listen to this anyway but you know do you know sometimes i kind of switch off when sar's talking but I switch off a lot more when Cam's on, <laughs> to be fair. But uh, like I said before, though, it's, it's good. You know, he's always got morale. He's always sort of keen to just do the hours. Um, there's a few times in LA when he's been on the ropes, actually. And I've had to encourage very few, him. Very few. But there's still been one few more than me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just, it's good. It's that sort of, um, you know, we've talked about before of like, you know, that competitive like in the team when you're fighting for your place, like it's in a positive way. It's kind of similar really, although I'm not fighting for camp for a place in the team, but it's more just maybe your egos or I'm not sure what, but you kind of push each other. Like, cause for sure every day, one of us is on a bit of a, well, not every day, but when days come hard and the end of hard blocks, one of us is always struggling a bit more than the other. And the other one always sort of manages to get the most out of them really aren't through those tough times really. And that's what, as Cam said, really, it's, it, those hard days are where that really make the difference when it comes, because everyone can train hard and do all your efforts and when you're feeling good, it's on. It's in those dark moments where you really have to sort of push through and, uh, you know, having a good training partner alongside you certainly helps, yeah. Yeah, I think um, that that's a, what he said, not threatening each other. I think that's like, it's obviously difficult to find that if you're training with people from your own sport, but I'm, I guess, quite unique in that I've got my own goals, you know, outside of the sport, yet I'm also in the sport. And so you you kind of uh, feed off each other. And I know on my personal level, so I hadn't achieved a lot when I started training with these guys this time around, you know, in Ironman. And, and the fact that they let me tag along with them let me <laughs> let me train with them but not only that you know like g you know talk to me in a way that he actually um yeah uh, feels that you know believes that i'm a decent athlete made me go to races and and want to perform and believe i could perform so you know it's been a huge uh a huge ad, uh, you know big thing for me big asset for me to be able to train with these guys because it's given me a huge amount of self-belief and and as g said you know when has uh, certainly moments where he certainly uh, seems to doubt himself a bit, and and I, um, yeah, I'm pretty quick to remind him of of what he's capable of, and uh, yeah, just try and let him know just to go out there and kick everyone's backside again. <laughs> I think that's a good way of saying it. It's like it's not you don't threaten each other, but you definitely challenge each other. Yeah, I think that gets the most out of you. Well, it gets the most out of anyone really, doesn't it? A challenge rather than a threat, I guess. And Cam, what's because Sai will be listening to this, what's the the best technique when you look across and you realise that you're talking and G's not listening, what's the, what's the best way of getting his attention back? Well, I generally just, um, you know, talk a bit louder. <laughs> yeah, he definitely doesn't like <clears throat> too much noise. So, you know, you definitely try and sort of snap him out of it by just speaking a bit louder. Yeah, But you know what it's like when you when you tired and hungry you know hangry as everyone calls it like oh, you get that quite a lot especially in January when you're trying to chip the weight off and you're just doing hours and you know especially now with Max 
got a baby at home so yeah. it's definitely uh but like having max at home as well definitely makes you more productive it's kind of like right you know we're going out training today and we'll definitely make the most of this and if you go on a training camp you're just like right yeah certainly um get the most out of it so yeah i definitely if i, I when i do see now he says it i mean i definitely start to talk about where we might stop and have a coffee and how far away we are from there or and to be honest, sometimes I've even recalculated in my brain, okay, maybe we better not wait until later. Maybe we better stop a bit earlier. <laughs> I, I can um, I can predict he's, uh, he's falling off the cliff point, you know, pretty well now. Yeah. You want to save that for the odd occasion, not make it, uh, not make it a habit. You're making me sound bad now, yeah. Well, I mean, let's face it, you know, it's, it's been a challenge, but it's been a worthwhile one because we've had, you know, you've had a lot of success since you've uh, started training with me, so that's fine. <laughs> and Cam, are you the reason that G goes to, have started going to Los Angeles? Was it down to you being there? Well, I wouldn't say I'm the reason, but he, you know, he, Sars obviously got some family there and he'd been talking about wanting to go there for a while. And when we started, I started training with the team, he certainly asked me about it and um, yeah, when he finally decided to go in 18, you know, Tim was um, very adamant that uh, he wanted me there with him because he obviously I'd live there and, would, you know, knew he wouldn't waste any days trying to figure out where to where to go, um, so to speak. And I don't know if I mentioned before, but I'd obviously been an integral part of at that point for me winning the tour and the Vuelta back to back for the first time. And, and so, yeah, he was felt that I was you know, equipped to sort of maybe pass on some of the things I'd learnt there with, uh, you know, with Chris as he was going for the Giro and obviously G was 100% targeting the tour that year. And um, so, yeah, it was certainly put across to me that it was imperative that I'd be there. And uh, yeah, and I think G um, appreciated that or probably felt a bit more comfortable being out there knowing I'd be there to to show him around and it, it really just meant that we got the most out of every day like from day one you know he never questions me about where we're going you know I knew what we had to do and he just uh did what he was told and uh <laughs> saw the results and then obviously since then he f- thinks he knows everything and you know he hasn't won again so maybe he might have learned something <laughs> by now maybe this trip out there he'll uh, he'll start listening a bit more <laughs> it is weird though when you think of LA you don't you kind of think if you've never been there before, you're like, how the hell are you going to train around there? You know, like up and down big, busy boulevards and stuff. But Yeah, you think about freeways just clog with traffic, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, but once you um, yeah, get out into those Santa Monica Hills, like it, it is really good ride. And even up around the Hollywood sign and Beverly Hills and stuff, there's some real short, sharp little kickers up there. And it's, um, you can avoid a lot of the traffic, obviously. And it is a, a good place and as Cam says you know he was living there so and Sar's got a cousin there and I wasn't doing tour down under I'd been doing tour down under for quite a while and that was sort of the way I'd get my warm weather training down there so I wanted something a bit different thought I'd give it a go and yeah it was perfect for January basically and um as you say, I'm gonna look back since. It is it is quite a, it is quite a good trick from from Tim though isn't it because I guess apart from the physiological side of it, you put two guys together to train and you have got to get on because if you aren't getting on and it's a five-hour training ride, then it's miserable. Yeah. I think though, he, yeah, if he didn't think we could get along, I don't think he'd, he'd waste either our time. I think in Tim's case, you know, he he loves workload and um, he knows damn well that if I'm finishing the ride and going swimming, then G's going to stay on his bike for an extra hour or so and and get a bit extra in. I think that was how <laughs> from Tim's perspective, from a training point of view, he, and it's and it's sort of how it worked. You know, I'd um, I'd get up in the morning, go swimming, so G would all of a sudden start riding earlier and then meet me, you know, after that, just so I couldn't say, oh, yeah, I've already been in the pool for an hour and a half. Yeah, there's nothing know? worse than that. <laughs> Calm gloating. Oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, I've done all this for you, but I'm going for a run now. I'm doing 20K. <laughs> <laughs> sod off I'll do another two hours then. <laughs> yeah yeah so I think I think from Tim's perspective he's a pretty smart guy and um, yeah he knew exactly what he was doing what he was getting these poor bastards into with uh, training with me <laughs> do you think Cam that, that all the different sports that you've done have made you a better bike rider I think they've definitely made me a better well okay I definitely believe that yeah I'm definitely racing better now I mean for example you know, when I came to the sport last time, I'd come from rowing, and I think you know most races, everyone kind of knew where I was because I was making all sorts of mistakes and causing crashes and doing all sorts of stupid things. So, whereas this time I get 
you know, gets commented on that, um, you know, I look normal. I actually fit him <laughs> with the What peloton, a compliment so that is. That's, a, that's already mm. a really good start, especially being a triathlete. You know, you think it'd be even worse, the the rap that they have. But, um, yeah, I guess having moments, I, you know, being out of the sport for so long, you know, five, six years, but leaving the sport, you know, and as a fan, um, I followed it. And also, obviously, I'd race with all the guys that were then competing and I kept in touch with all the guy, a lot of the guys and... It's funny when you watch, look at something subjectively, you know, you see it completely differently, like things that look so challenging. And so I'll give you a, a classic, just a simple example, you know, I did the Vuelta last year with the team and I'd done the Vuelta and the Giro a couple of times, you know, previously and I was just exhausted. One thing would exhaust me would be just the fact that I had to pack my suitcase every day. You know, I'd get get to the room and get everything out and, you know, do all my stuff. I'd have a stretching mat and all this crap. And I'd be racing back to the room every day, trying to get this thing done, racing to the bus. You know, this time I just knew I needed my, my, my pajamas, my toothbrush, you know, maybe my iPad in a little bag, and that was all I needed pretty much every night. I had my suitcase there in case I needed it, and I, I think I opened it twice in three weeks. And it gave me about an extra two hours a day, I think, just <laughs> to relax, recover, you know, think about the next day, talk to my family, you know, at home do little things like that but then obviously on a bigger scale you know watching the race and how it unfolds and knowing when things are going to happen knowing when okay i used to panic and feel like i had to be at the front and i didn't and then the race happened and i missed it you know and um yeah it was quite a luxury to be able to watch the sport from that perspective and then especially as the years went on when i came back and started training with the guys before i was racing again you know and being with them before the races talking about what might happen watching it get executed watching how it happened you know i feel like uh yeah i didn't have much trouble you know slotting straight back in i mean i i don't know you could go back in history but i'd i'd be very doubtful if anyone has ever taken a five six year break from the sport at the very highest level and just sort of slotted back in so um Whatever I did in that time, you know, it um, it helped me to come back and uh, and do a better job than I did the first time around. So that's good. You should learn. That's what life's about, learning. Gee, let's go through some of the um, – and this doesn't necessarily need to be about Cam, although he's a triathlete. Let's go through some of the negative things that road riders say about triathletes and their bike handling. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, triathletes for a start, it's, it's not their number one sport. They do three sports and generally – they just, yeah, they've never been pro, a pro bike rider. Um, you know, they've just done three sports really well. They're kind of like crap at all sports and just end up sticking them all together and being good at all three. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a little dig of cam. That's fine. Um, no, it's like, I think, and they're used to riding on their own. They don't really, you know, they might go out on a club run or something, but generally they'll have their program and stick to that and be on their own or with another two or three guys. Whereas... Cam had the luxury of being a pro cyclist, then going into it. So he was already strong in that field. But then also just, yeah, he was able to just sort of handle his bike a bit better because, yeah, if a, if a triathlete did just come straight into the pro peloton, they'd just have a big shock because, well, for instance, in Hawaii, well, yeah. all the all the big Ironman things is like a, what is it, 12 metre? Yeah, 12 metre rule. You have to have 12 metres gap between you all. So obviously that's a lot different to riding in the thick of a peloton. So, and then going down hills... They ride their bikes, they go downhill and stuff. But when you're doing it every day and you're in the mountains, you you definitely learn a lot quicker and you just sort of, you have to. So, yeah, they have got the reputation of not being good bike handlers and just sort of being a bit in the way. But uh, Cam's all right. And, and the top guys will be good, won't they? I think it's more just, it's it's one of those things, it's, it's an easy dig for us to, to say. So we say it as much as we can. <laughs> I was lucky as well, obviously training with Froome in that time away. I mean, well, he's not better. Exactly. If you had a dollar for every time he bumps into you, I mean, we'd all have as much money as him. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite quite the good um, just keeping you on your toes sort of uh, training partner. So, um, but yeah, I mean, pro athletes, they it's geez right i mean the fact that they just do everything so so on their so so alone well i think one of the funniest things was you know i think i i guess i was a bit off the mark earlier when you said about you know what would be my claim to fame 
I'm actually the Ironman Wales. You know, I won the Ironman Wales. Yeah. My first Ironman that I won, so I'm quite a hero in Wales. Not not too far below, you know, G and George North, I don't think. <laughs> um, so, but the funny thing that day was I actually had a decent swim and uh, got out of the water and we're running to transition and everyone's looking around and I was pretty new to the sport and it wasn't normal that I could swim. And so they were... Um, a bit nervous, and they got in, and it's raining. I mean, typical Welsh day, so you don't need to say much more. Raining, freezing cold, just miserable. You know, the last place in the world you wanted to be. And we get on the bike and get to transition. I sit down, I put on a jersey, put on a rain gelée, you know, just to keep myself a bit warm. It's literally like eight degrees, I think, and, and raining. Everyone else is like, worse here. They're through transition, try suit on, off they go. You know, 510k later as I pass them all on the bike, they're all shivering and shaking. <laughs> just, and I'm there all rugged up in my winter woolies, you know, and obviously, you know, smash the bejinglers out of them. So, yeah, it's just a completely different uh, stratosphere. They come from, you know, not racing in uh, in the world tour. So I've had a big advantage in that. The Tour of Britain actually finished the same day in mm. Cardiff mm. and it was horrendous, the weather, I remember. And um, we're doing like... Where did we start? I think we started over the border somewhere. Then we finished in Cardiff anyway. We had a few laps, maybe four or five laps around the city centre, past the castle. Great little circuit. And uh, Kiri was a teammate of mine at the time, and he was fourth on GC. And he had to do... It was full gas racing. It was a hard day. And then it was obviously really bad weather. Anyway, we have to do four or five finishing circuits, and then it's done. The race is over. Fourth on GC, feeling bad, ends up one lap to go, 7K to go, just pulled out and stopped. <laughs> and he, this guy's from Belarus. He's supposed to be, well, he was one of the toughest guys around. And yeah, the Welsh weather broke him up there. <laughs> broke him. Yeah. I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> so, G, you quite fancy a bit of Ironman, don't you? When your pro riding career comes to an end, that's one of your little goals. Um, Cam, how do you think you'd get on? Um,. Well, he'll be fine. I mean, it's funny. So we talked. We started talking about this back in 2018. It was, a, I think, it was a five-year plan or a six. It might have been a six-year plan. So we're now uh, nearly four years into it, and um, yeah, we obviously. Uh, I think it's time that G maybe uh, puts his uh, swimming arms and running legs where his mouth is and actually starts doing a little bit of uh, did a little bit of planning for this um, much hyped up. Iron Man, uh, Iron Man debut, but um, I'm definitely going to do it. Mm. We'll do Wales together. Yeah, I'll smash you. Well, he he probably won't, but uh, he probably will, won't mate. smash me. But it's going to be great having him there. And uh, he's very lucky that I've been very generous with my information. And uh, you know, I've made obviously like in every spot I've done, probably every possible mistake plus some that you can make. So obviously, I'm you know determined and such a nice bloke to not you know to pass on those things to g so he doesn't have to make the same but uh <laughs> he's already been swimming with me once in 4a run so he's off to a start and i can definitely guarantee he does the basics very very well he can actually float and he can actually move pretty well running so yeah to be fair if he does the work he'll i think he could uh surprise quite a few people i think um, that's the problem though it's doing the work i'm not sure how committed i will be mm. but Maybe once I get into it and you start, and you know, once you get to a decent level, it's easier to sort of enjoy when you're actually half decent and see the improvement. But um, I still smash you in Wales, mate. Yeah, well, I think I think the fact that you're improving at something is always a wonderful thing to keep get, making you want to improve. You know, when you get to the top of something and it gets harder to stay there, you know, and then at some point you you don't want to do it anymore. But uh, I think you'll surprise. I think you'll get the bug. It's pretty rare that people don't get into Iron Man and don't get the bug and want to do the best, you know, best that they possibly can. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And also just looking forward to seeing how much he's going to suffer on that run. That'll be uh, <laughs> really something to behold. Yeah. I wouldn't miss that for the world. I don't know how many times I'll lap him on the course. I think it's a four ten, like four ten k laps. So probably a couple. That'll no be chance. humbling for him. No chance. Man. <laughs> What's the furthest you've ever run, G? Uh, to school, probably about two miles. Okay, furthest you've ever swum? Oh, I got my 2,000 metre badge. Oh, did you? I got out and I was dizzy. Back and forth that many times. But yeah, when I was a kid, I must have been poah, 12 or something. Yeah. So I used to be I, I, I used to be able to swim quite well when I was a kid. But obviously, yeah, I haven't done anything for years. But 
I got the basics, as Cam's saying, but there's a big step between doing the basics and then actually <laughs> going fast, like proper fast. But yeah, I just want to do it just to do one and then we'll kind of see what happens. If I get the bug for it and want to train properly, then we'll go from there and smash Cam everywhere, all over, all over the world, not just Wales. It won't happen, but it's, it's great. That, it's a great thing to fantasize over. Though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for coming on, Cam. That's been uh, well. Yeah, I'm used to you, and you just go on. But yeah, it was nice. That was interesting for a change. You kept me focused and actually listening. So good on you. It must have been half good. And uh, yeah, I'll see you on the bike tomorrow. Anyway. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me. It was uh, nice to reminisce. But hey, uh, you know, we ain't done yet. We're still here. We're still here swinging. So, um, Wales 2024 then. Exactly. Grudge Bring match. it on. Bring it on. Can't Smash wait. All day long. <laughs> right, Tom, it's time to get your Zwift update. Now, while you and producer Lou have a few more weeks to try and up your fitness on Zwift, I thought I'd check in with some of our GTCC members on why they use it and get some tips for you both. And I, and I such a nice guy. So here's Sarah for you both. Listen carefully. Hi, my name's Sarah and I've been on Zwift for about five years now. I like the variety of it and the social aspect. I really wouldn't stick with a training plan on a bog standard trainer. I have taken a bit of a hit on my FTP over the summer because I've been doing a bit of touring and I found that the best way to start building it back up again is to do something like a Zwift Academy training program, but also short races of about half an hour. So uh, crits or individual TTs, you can go hard on those. And I've had a couple of small bumps in the past two weeks. Um, so offer to Louise if you want to do a bit of ladies racing I captain a team in CCAT but we have ladies in all, all uh, categories you're welcome to come and join us and see how it goes um, but good luck to both of you Ah, oh, very nice and if you fancy joining me Geraint, producer Lou and Sarah on Zwift just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial we'll see you there Sponsor Klaxon The GTCC are delighted to be sponsored by Momentus, a leading human performance company that works with pro and elite sporting teams. And here's Geraint to tell you about their flagship product, PR Lotion, and a cheeky discount for our members. Yeah, so PR Lotion is a cream that you just basically massage on your muscles that are working. So the other day, for instance, I had a big time trial session. So an hour before, just was there in my kitchen, massaging cream all over my legs and... uh, but it works very well. And the data also actually shows that you'll get 53% less muscle soreness and be able to do 25% more training intervals. So win-win. So go on, go and slap it all over those legs before your next big ride or your next workout or even your next GTCC ride. Just go to livemomentous.com and use the discount code GTCC2021 at the checkout for 25% off Momentus's PR Lotion. Happy training. Time for any other business now. Yep, and an interesting item to start on this week, G. We had a lovely review on Apple Podcasts from Luke, who said he'd like to come and talk to us about his Parasport hand cycling. He says, let's see how many watts the arms can put out. So, Luke, if you're listening, drop us an email or get in touch via socials, and we'd love to chat to you. Gee, how many watts are you saying you could do hand cycling? Oh, jeepers. With my new shoulder, probably more. Um, Eight? Nine? <laughs> actually, <laughs> thinking about it, yeah, I'll pedaling. Nah, I reckon I could do 50 at least. 50? I mean, I've got no benchmark for this at all. Bench, I mean, 50 could be amazing. Or what do you think is possible? I've how much stronger are your legs than your arms? Oh, a lot stronger, aren't they? That's three times? Oh, I'd say probably a lot more for me. So if you're, what's the maximum watts you could push out with your legs? Sprinting, like probably, well, top end of 1200, which is 1200. That's low. I I think you have to, with that hand cycling sprint, I think you have to do at least, you need to set yourself the target of a fifth, because a fifth of what you can do with your legs. Because I think if you got five of your arms and combine them, they'd be the same size as one of your legs. (laughs) You reckon? Uh, maybe. No. Yeah. <laughs> With mine. But yeah. So what? Around 250? Let's say 250. 
And then is this something where I should get a head start because you're the professional athlete and I'm very much not? Or is it one where I could maybe aim for parity because um, my arms don't have to be like twiglets? Yeah, I think I get an advantage now because I never Really? How much? Oh, 20%. I reckon, right, you've got to aim for 250 arm watts. All I've got to do is get 251. I just can't get, just can't get more yeah. than you. All right, so I'm just going to go in my garage now and just spin my pedal around as quick as I can and just see what <laughs> comes up. Is that what I'm doing? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it depends what sort of... We'll find out. We'll find out. Luke, get in touch. Tell us how we can do this. And uh, the competition can commence. It's on. And remember, if you're listening to this, do leave us a review on Apple or Spotify if you like the pod. If you didn't, you can still leave a review, but we'd probably rather you didn't. In fact, on that point, we would also like you to get in touch with suggestions for guests. So we've got five episodes left in this series and, of course, plenty more series to come. Who would you like us to chat to? A lot of you have said after a previous recent guest, the real Martin Johnson, the former England captain, does like his cycling. So we're working on that one. Any other suggestions, just email gtcc at crowdnetwork.co.uk or get in touch with us on socials with your suggestions. Right, Tom, let's appoint some more road captains now, shall we? Who's first up today? First up today is Gavin Evans. Gavin, you are the proud new row captain for Merthyr Tidville in South Wales. Secondly, Aidan King has applied for Devon. Now, James Thomas is the row captain for Devon, but Aidan claims to be a chef, so I presume he'll be able to help plan a route with coffee shops, good cake stops, maybe find some more official GTCC cafes for us. Aidan, you're in. You can co-captain with James. And finally, one a bit further afield, Brendan Tui. Tuhey, something like that. I'm, I'm sure he can get in touch and let me know. Anyway, he's a new road captain for the Cayman Islands. I tried to sound like you then, Tom. Don't do a good job. <laughs> the Cayman Islands. The Cayman Islands. <laughs> I'm going to test your geography actually here, G. Uh, where do you think the Cayman Islands are? Oh, jeepers. Either down by Australia somewhere. Oh. Like Fiji and all them jazz. Or, or Bahamas. No, Barbados, you know, America way. <laughs> or somewhere in between. One of your answers is better than the other one. The America one. Ooh. Up this way. Yes. Square. So the Cayman Islands lie to the northwest of Jamaica or the southwest of Cuba. Ah. Or if G, you were starting your trip in Belize, you would head to the northeast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I might go visit there at some point then. Yeah, why not? Brandon can tell me how to say his name properly. (laughs) (laughs) Right, we'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. That was the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gwilliam, Head of Music Emma Hickman, Head of Social Fionn Clark and our Honorary President Mike Carr. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.